As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. It's time! With Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Town, USA, Boston, Massachusetts, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about, but maybe afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time. This is No Holes Barred Radio, folks, and we have a special guest along with my co-host, TJ DeSantis. TJ, how are you? I'm great, Puff. When I uh, got word that we were going to have our guest today, I had to kind of look at the phone twice. I was like, wait, really? <laughs> you know, we're having, as you know, the great legendary baseball player, Charlie Hustle, number 14, Pete Rose, is on the show today. I have met Pete once or twice in the past. I was in Vegas this weekend. I happened to see him at the uh, memorabilia um, store in the MGM Grand doing his signings and stuff. And we just sat down and started talking. And he said, I'll be on your podcast anytime you want. There's no way I was going to miss that opportunity to have him on, especially with the playoffs in baseball happening right now. It's perfect time. That's a tough subject right now for me, Buff. Uh, it's very tough, I know, because you're Minnesota Twins, but I'm sure that there's going to be some tough questions. Not tough questions. There's going to be some tough, direct answers from Charlie Hustle on the show today because I have a funny feeling when it comes to Pete Rose, you ask him a question, we're going to get a direct answer. Yeah, no, for sure. But he, here's a real quick baseball stat before we get uh, Pete Rose on the air. Uh, mm-hmm. The Twins, since 2003, in the playoffs, 2-16 and 16 against the New York Yankees. Two wow. wins, 16 losses. Wow. Tough. Stupid. Tough Stupid. <laughs> Sorry. I, I think you're a little upset. So. Uh, not really. I mean, uh, you know what? Uh, what can I say? Like, I'm upset about it, but I'm not surprised. So what when you're, for- Huh? What is that Forrest Gump line from the movie, Stupid Is as Stupid Does? Stupid is as... Losing to the Yankees 16 times. <laughs> okay, that was okay. fine. I didn't hear it right. Okay, oh, yeah, I, I think it. that's what it was. <laughs> well, let, let's bring on Pete Rose. Well, we got to take a break it. first because, oh, you know, we yeah, have, know, we have bills to pay. Yeah, we got bills to pay. That's true. Let's take a break, and then we're going to come back. 
with Charlie Hustle, number 14, Pete Rose. This is going to be good, folks. I can't wait. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Touch-free QR code payments. No seller fees until 2021. Not applicable to PayPal here transactions. Other fees may apply. Shop safe with PayPal. It's time! You asked for it and you got it at BruceBuffer.com. Championship introductions at a special rate are now provided for all of you as a keepsake for life, like you are being introduced like a champion in the cage. Just go to BruceBuffer.com. Specials for championship introductions, weddings, birthdays, voicemail, and business recordings. I'm here for you if you need me. Check me out at BruceBuffer.com. And now, a very special guest for his time radio. A legend in the world of baseball, a legend in the world of sports, and a legendary hero of mine in baseball from my love of baseball since I was the littlest of kids in Philadelphia. None other than Pete Rose. Charlie Hustle, number 14. I'm so proud to have you on the show, Pete. How are you? Bruce, I'm doing well. Uh, We're right in the middle of playoff baseball, and it's been exciting, and looking forward to today's games, and and the rest of the games, and of course the World Series. But there's some really good teams out there, and uh, I don't know how you feel about baseball, Bruce, but it's amazing how we had all these home runs throughout the summer, and you get in these playoffs, and they face good pitching, and their run run totals are really down, down a lot, actually. Yeah, I heard the commentators talking about that. I noticed that myself. And to answer your question, I love the game of baseball. I've uh, been glued to the TV watching it, you know, mostly as a kid and through my 20s. My travels don't let me watch the games I want to, but I'm always glued, glued during the playoffs and the series. You know, now we got the Astros and the Yankees going at it. The Washington Nationals are up three games against the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. I happen to have my brother Michael Buffer open up the Washington Nationals game last night from home plate, uh, from the field rather, doing his famous <laughs> Let's Get Ready to Rumble, which was really cool. Very, very cool. To see, and they're you know they're they're basically almost sweeping the Cardinals. You know, three games. It's very hard to come back three games. Watching this and what you said, um, and I have a question regarding the pitching in a second. But when you watch the teams and seeing how they're playing, who do you think is going to make it all the way to the series from the kind of play you're seeing in the last two weeks? Well, I think I, Washington. No question about it, Bruce. I mean, they're on a roll. Their right players are playing well, and it's amazing to me how the Cardinals, as a team went into a slump altogether, and that's the way it usually works. You know, that's why I like Derry Cole in today's game with the Yankees. He's a, the best pitcher in baseball, and he's on a roll. It's not like he's the best pitcher in baseball and he struggled the last couple times out. I mean, he's got 25 strikeouts since the last outings. But um, the, the Washington Nationals, they find a different player every day that makes contribution to winning the ball game, and they got that great pitching, and you don't need that great a pitching in a four out of seven or a three out of five series. You don't need five starters, and mm-hmm. when you got the Scherzer and, and Strasburg and and the and Hannibal, I mean, 
You know, the first day out with the Cardinals, they got no hitter for seventh inning. The second day out, they got no hitter for the seventh inning. I mean, that's unheard of in playoff baseball. Playing at home, playing at home, yeah. you think a team would be relaxed? You think a team could score some runs? But they just totally got handcuffed by this Washington Nationals pitching staff, and that will carry right into the next round. I mean, it looks to me like right now, like Washington, if they need rest, are going to get a lot of rest because they could uh, they could close them out the next game where the Yankees and Astros are only playing game three today. So, you know, uh, they can set up their pitch in any way they want. And that's a big advantage for a manager to be able to set his team up for a World Series pitching rotation-wise any way he wants. You know, one thing that Pete's bringing up here, Bruce, is just, you know, the, the playoffs and how it's different and the home runs and the, and the runs being scored way down. I'm a Twins fan, Pete. I grew up in Minneapolis, uh, the Twins this yeah. year. It was the year of the home run for a club that normally doesn't hit a lot of home runs. We get to the uh, LDS against the Yankees, and, and we can't hit the ball, you know, dang near out of the infield. I, I'm curious, though, from your perspective, looking at today's game and looking at, you know, the, the game from, from decades ago, over the decades, what is it about baseball that the playoffs just seem to change everything? Because I think if you look at any other stick and ball sport, I mean, playoffs definitely have a different feel, but it, it seems like Major League Baseball's well, playoffs a different yeah. game altogether. If there's one reason why Major League Playoff Baseball is different than a regular season playoff, and I'll tell you what it is. It's pitching. All the teams in the playoff got pretty good pitching. You know, if you watch baseball, and I watch it two games every day during the summer, most of the runs in baseball are scored in the 6th, 7th, and 8th inning. And these guys that pitch during the season in the 6th, 7th, and 8th, they don't get to, they don't get to pitch in the playoffs. You'll, you'll put a starter out there, then you'll bring another starter in to pitch two innings, and you got to your closer. But uh, uh, relief pitchers, middle relief pitchers, in the playoffs become spectators like you and I. Very few of them get to pitch in the playoffs because they use the starters. Because this guy, uh, pissed told me to dance the third game, he can give me two innings, and they all got good closers, and I can get me two closers. So yeah. uh, you, you really don't need as many pitchers on these staffs for the playoffs as they have. But middle relief pitching in baseball this year was terrible. And Minnesota, Which, you can't win by winning every game eight to seven, nine to eight. Right. You yeah. got to win some of them two to one, three to two ball games. And Minnesota just they didn't hit home runs like they did during the season because they faced good pitching. The Yankees got pretty good pitching, great bullpen. The Yankees are one of the few teams that have great middle relief. That's why they uh, won second in the history of baseball in games this year. I think him, them and Houston were one too. So. You know, those teams got good pitching staff, so you don't win 104, 105, 106 games. You know, I'm with you on all that. With all that being said, Pete, when you look at last week's game, the last game uh, that the Dodgers played against the Washington Nationals, and Kershaw yeah. came in, I think, in the sixth or seventh inning, if I'm not mistaken, and basically within two pitches, uh, a home run was hit and then a grand slam was hit, which caused the loss of the lead for the Dodgers, who went on to lose the game and lose the series. With well, what situ- happened, Bruce? Here's what happened, Bruce. Let me explain something to you. Please, please do. Okay. Please do. When, when you're a starting pitching, okay, a starting pitcher, you get up a certain time the day you're pitching. You eat a certain time. You go to the ballpark a certain time. You put your uniform on a certain time. You go stretch to get ready at a certain time, and you go warm up at a certain time. 
Here's Kershaw sitting on the bench. All of a sudden, they need him in relief. Now, he's a $30 million pitcher. He's a great pitcher. He comes in. He strikes out Turner on the ball to bounce in front of the plate. Okay, get him out of there. He got you out of that inning. He got the, he got the hitter out that you need him to get out. Now they send him back out there, and the meat of the order's up, and they hit back-to-back home runs off of him. Now, this guy's got to live with that all year. After going through what Kershaw's been through in the playoffs, the last five or six years, because you put him in a situation he's not comfortable in, because they didn't have any confidence in Jensen. You know, that so was you're... the guy that closed the games for him. They had a, a couple of guys down there to close games for him. Kershaw didn't close one game this year. So why they put him out in the biggest game of the year for the Dodgers? There's there's certain things just don't make a lot of sense to me. Just because you're Clayton Kershaw don't mean you're going to get run down and those guys out, Soto, you know, because they're they're good hitters and they're having a, a good series and a good year. I mean, it so boils what, down to what team's playing the, the hottest baseball right now. And right now, the hottest team in baseball is not Houston, not the Yankees, it's the Washington Nationals. Yeah, it is. And, you know, with that decision that comes down to put Kershaw in the game, you know, you from your past position as manager and all, is that the call of the manager, or is that a group call, and then the manager gets the call to put him in? Oh, Who no, makes he, that he, final he, had, he had the card in the dugout, okay? You have a card in the dugout when you're a manager, and it's all situations. If I need a pitcher to come in for one out in the seventh, I got this guy. If I, you know, like they had that left-hander down there. Uh, they said it many times on TV. His sole job was to get Soto out. That's the only time they used him is to get Soto out, who's a left-hand hitter. And they got him out a couple times, and then he started getting, getting hits off of him because he's seen him enough times. But you have a game plan. You have a game plan, and very seldom do you get away from your game plan because then you're second-guessing yourself, okay? So right. uh, Kershaw was the guy they were going to bring in late in the ball game, and he got one hitter out. That, that turned on the crowd because the game was so tied, and then they failed to score. And then, of course, Washington put all the, the runs up with the grand slam. And, you know, it's a, it's a lot easier hitting, guys, when you got bases loaded one out and it is basically loaded in two outs. And Kendrick was just trying to hit a fly ball, but he hit one straightaway center field for a grand slam. That doesn't right. happen very often in the playoffs, but it did this year. Right, and it doesn't happen very often in the playoffs, and like you said, it was a big thing that happened that evening. And it makes me wonder, and you see many players go through this from any position on the field where they lose or make an error in a key play in a game, which might have caused in fans' eyes that fact that they lost the game and the fans watching Kershaw in that game, is he going to be victimized like Bill Buckner was, you know, when he was with the Red Sox against the Mets in the 1986 world series game six, where the ball went between his legs. Is this something that Kershaw is going to have to face? He he, he probably will because, because he's failed the last couple of years in in clutch situations, but he's a great pitcher. He's a hall of fame pitcher. You know, he's your, he's your ace on your staff. And, if you're going to die with somebody, you got to die with your ace. But I just think if, if you got an ace, if you got this guy or that guy, all you try to do as a manager, guys, is put players in situations mm. where they won't fail. Because most players, if you put them in a situation to fail, they'll fail. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that was a situation where Kershaw had to be on his game, you know, even when he pitches sometimes, he don't have it when he leaves the bullpen. But after one or two of the knees, he gets his act together and shuts them down the rest of the, rest of the game. 
I don't know if he had good stuff warming up. I know he struck out Turner on a couple balls that were in the dirt that good hitters probably would have laid off of. But then you face the good hitters, and he didn't have his best stuff. And I don't care if uh, God's out there. If he don't have his good stuff, he's not going to get these good hitters out in a crucial situation. I don't blame the Kershaw. I'm sure there's some people uh, not only will blame Kershaw, but they'll blame the the manager for bringing him in. But he's just doing, you know, I mean, you got a guy that's making $30 a year, $34 a year, yet they're expecting to be able to pitch an inning and and ending in a third or so in the playoffs. It just didn't work that way. Right. Right. I, right. I, I like what Pete's breaking down here uh, about pitching and, and, and managing, too, as a whole. And, and one thing that I hear a lot of people talk about in the modern game is microman- micromanaging a little bit. Uh, you know, putting players in situations, but also maybe taking them out a little sooner than maybe they should. W- what are your thoughts on the pitch count, Pete? Do, do you feel that? Uh, uh, I don't, you know, here, here's the thing that's ruining baseball as far as I'm concerned. And this is analytics we're talking about. I mean, you know, when I was a manager, and, and I finished second four years in a row, I managed with my gut. Okay, I didn't have a piece of paper to tell me what pitcher to bring in in this situation. If you watch baseball and watch it today, these pitchers will take their hat off all the time when a hitter comes up, and it's, it's got in his hat how to pitch a hitter. Well, we used to have meetings before the series started on how to play hitters and how to pitch hitters. Now they need a piece of paper in their hat to remind them how to pitch a hitter? I mean, name me a team that's won the last five years because of analytics, because of this, you know, because of bringing these pitchers in to face these hitters and putting that shift on every time mm. a hitter comes up. I mean, sometimes you got to manage with the way you feel, yeah. the way your gut feels. Moment- hey, that's the kind of managers I like. M- moment- Not someone that's looking at, oh, you know, the guy from Philadelphia. He just got fired. He was a big analytics guy in the front office. They put him down on the field. Every every move he made was analytics. Right. Well, he got fired the other day. You know, so it doesn't work. It, it, it doesn't work. On the outside looking in, not nearly you know to the expert level that you have, Pete. I feel like those analytics will probably even out towards the end of the year. But that doesn't win ball games. You know what I mean? If you want to try to get X amount of doubles and X amount of RBIs, like sure that that might work, but if you don't get them at the right time, it doesn't matter. It's just a stat at the end of the year. And I like what you're saying. It's about momentum and feel. And so, you know, yeah, you're other- absolutely right. They talk about this whip and all this other stuff. Hey, when you're a manager of a baseball team, you're worried about one thing and one thing only. It's called wins. Dubs right. and losses. Who cares how you get there? Okay? If you win more games than anybody else in your division, you go to the playoffs. If you don't, you don't go to the playoffs. You can sure. do all the analytics you want and all the maneuvering, bring this right-hander against this right-hander, or bring this left-hander in against this left-hander. Then they'll pinch hit for him. Then, you know, what these managers start doing, Bruce, in the playoffs, it Just last year was a perfect example of the guy from Milwaukee and the guy from Dodgers. They act like they were trying to outmanage each other. Manage your players. During that game, that's the way you manage. You don't try to outmanage the opposition. You manage your players against the other team's players. And if I... your players do what you're supposed to do, you should win the game. Hey, all the years I managed, I don't think I ever sent the wrong pinch hitter up to get a hit. I don't think I ever brought the wrong pitcher in to get an out. But it don't always work that way. 
If I send a guy out there with one out and bases loaded and he strikes out, I send the wrong guy up there. But if he gets a double, I send the right guy up there. And I tell people this all the time. You guys will agree. Do you know what makes a good manager in baseball, a good coach in football, and a good coach in basketball, and a good coach in hockey? One thing makes a good coach. You know what it is? Good players. Good team. When's, when, when's the, the last great manager you heard of that had bad players? That, you know what? That that's that's the truth right there. That is it's all you know. about players. It you is know, all. All a manager tries to do is relax his players. And like I said about ten minutes ago, put him in a situation where they'll succeed. If you keep putting them in situations where they'll fail, believe me, guys, I've seen it. They will fail. We play a game. We play a game, the only game in the world where you can fail seven out of ten times and go to the Hall of Fame. Think about that. You know, it's, Le- it's... LeBron James shoots three out of ten. If Aaron Rodgers shows three out of ten, we're not buying them jerseys. No. Okay, but if Aaron Judge shoots three out of ten, we're buying his jersey because he's headed for the Hall of Fame. Amazingly true. Love the way you're talking about all this, and it brings me up to a key question at the same time. Because really what you're spelling out here is it's not money ball, it's gut ball. The way your gut tells you. I'm a poker player, and I follow my gut. I've read all the books, I've seen all the TV and everything, but my gut tells me how to play, and that's why I consider myself and I know myself to be a winning poker player. But today's players versus the players of old, today with a lot of players in other sports being stronger and faster – Managers like you and the great Sparky Anderson, as tough as you are, and to me, a classic representative of what I love, and I say this with great respect, as the old breed, okay? Mm -hmm. Do you think today's managers push players the same? You've already mentioned it's a different game. So do you, you, you obviously seem to get very upset when you see these managers and you put yourself in their position. It's like, wait a minute, don't look at the paper, follow your gut. What are you doing here? Right. Well, a manager knows his players, and he knows which players want to be in that situation. What? What? There, there's a lot of players, guys, that you get base loaded one out. They don't want the bat in their hand. You get a man that base loaded one out. They don't want to be brought in the game because they need a strikeout. There's other there other players that thrive on that situation. And here's another thing you look for as a manager, okay? And there's not a lot of big name managers in baseball today. I don't know if it's because. And I think it's going to get worse because I think they just don't want to pay managers the type of bucks uh, that some of these high-priced managers like Joe Madden and make. Because all you want, to, all you want as a manager is for your superstar players to buy into your program. Mm-hmm. Because if you take on a team and your superstars players don't like you, it's only a matter of time for your asses out of there. Believe me, your superstar players have to buy in to your program for you to be successful. And with you say you've got players making thirty five, forty million and you got a manager making eight hundred thousand and he's pissed off at you and the player goes to the owner, who's he gonna get rid of? The forty million dollar player or the eight hundred thousand dollar manager? Or the two million dollar manager, whatever it may be. Right. Now when working with play I agree with you. And when the time you were managing, from the time you were playing to the time you were managing to your observation of the players of today, is it more difficult with the mindset of the baseball player coming into the game of baseball today to manage that athlete the way you would like to manage him versus a player that you managed back in the, in the 80s? Well, it, 
it was easier for me to manage, guys. Let me tell you why. Okay, here's Pete Rose coming back as manager of the Reds. Okay, today they play on Pete Rose Way. I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. And as you know, I hustled my ass off. Now, how was a player for the Cincinnati Reds when I was manager not going to bust his ass in front of those crowds? They would boo him out of town. Mm-hmm. But I had a unique situation that other guys don't have. And, you know, I had, I had the fans on my side because of the way I played. And because of the way I played, they expected my players to play that way, which they did. Which they did. But these managers, they, they just look like they're not in total control. And I've even heard, guys, and I think this is true, I've heard some teams, some teams get a lineup from upstairs every day of the week. They don't even make up their own lineup. Wow. Wow. I, I, I couldn't work under those conditions. Well, you're, no. I can't work under I can't work under a condition where a general manager can tell me who to play and when to play. And well, I, you're was, not a, I was in baseball for thirty years. You're not in control at that time, Pete. You're a puppet. You're not. You're not a manager at that point. That's well, what you are. Well, I mean, yeah. puppets. The only puppets that make it are the ones working with Terry Fader here in town. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. For those of I mean, you, that's the only puppets the, that are working, <laughs> Bruce. You know it, and I know it. I know it, but for our listeners that are aware of that, Terry Fader is the uh, is the entertainer in Vegas with the great show with his puppets. That's a very good yeah. Comparison. I mean, I if like you've been that. to Vegas, got talent. He won America's Got Talent. Jesus. Yeah, if you if you've been to <laughs> Vegas, you've seen the the ads on the side of uh, uh, yeah. Taxi. You know, you bring exactly. that up. You bring up the the general manager making the lineup card, Pete. Like to me, what what that sounds like is like a little league uh, coach dealing with like an upset parent. And little Johnny's got yeah. a bat, you know, first leadoff. Yeah. Pete, I can't you bring imagine, up- okay? I can't imagine somebody from upstairs sending a lineup down to Sparky Anderson, to Tommy Lasorda, uh, to Tony Larusa, you know, to guys like that. To uh, I don't know the guy in Chicago and Joe Mann how they got along. I don't know, but most guys who make it four, five, six million as a manager, uh, I don't think they're going to be told what. What players, uh, you know, what players to play in a certain game? You might have a talk with a general manager about it's up and down. Should I should I face Cole or should I face Verlander? Which one of them should pitch? You know, you may have a discussion, and two minds are better than one mind. We all know that, but somebody's got to be in charge, okay? And it's amazing how these how many of these managers will get down with the ship and not they're not steering the ship. You start right. listening to someone upstairs and it goes wrong, you're the one's going to get fired. When's the last time you heard a general manager got fired? I can't, I can't We've remember. We've had seven managers get fired since yeah. the end of the season this year. There's seven openings. We haven't heard of one general manager getting fired. Mm-hmm. And that's who hires the managers. That's who's that's making the, the call. Does that sound yeah. funny? That seems funny. Uh, it seems relative. <laughs> it makes sense. You know, you're you're basically spelling it out. It's very obvious, and I and I'm with you. You know, you mentioned the money, right? When you see the huge, huge contracts being handed out today, and, and especially over the last, yeah, God bless him is right. Absolutely, players making over a hundred million. I just have to ask you, Pete, and I'm sure you've been asked this question before, but in your prime, or Mickey Mantle in his prime, what kind of contract do you feel that you would receive today? on the basis of the way they're being handed out today? 
Have well, you ever, I'd I mean, be up in the $30 million category. I, I, I'll tell you guys real quick. I went from 7000 to 12000 to 24000 to 46000 to 85000 to 150000 to 400000 to 800000 to 2 million. That's mm-hmm. the way my salary went up over the years. I got a $5000 raise for being rookie of the year. Mm. Bruce, I got more of that in my pocket right now. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'm not looking for a poker game. <laughs> <laughs> well, anytime you, if, anytime you want to go to war on the felt, I'm, I'm your man, Pete. No problem. You're yeah. in L.A. You come over to my house and play I, my home I mean, game. but I'm not against players making money, guys. Right. Because I, I believe, uh, you know, I used to t- defend A-Rod all the time, who I work with on Fox. And he signed two $250 million contracts. I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys anybody's worth $250 million, But if you can get it, you're worth it. And instead Absolutely. of bad-mouthing A-Rod, I used to tell people, the next time you have a contra- contract in front of you, call A-Rod's agent because he knows what the hell he's doing. Right. And, and honestly, man, the player. And also basic economics will tell you that that team signs him for that amount of money because another team was going to sign him for a little bit less. You know what I mean? It's, it's not just and, the player. And, and guys, the last time I checked, baseball teams, football teams, basketball teams, they aren't, they aren't throwing out counterfeit money. So they're making the money. Now, now you ask yourself the question, if you go to the ballpark, do you want to pay the players the money, or do you want to pay the owners the money? Because someone's going to get the money. Well, the I owners mean, aren't—they aren't getting a hit. They're not striking out anybody. They're not scoring touchdowns. Right. They're not making any dunks. The players are the ones you go to see. So who gives a damn if the players make all the money? I mean, uh, allow me to tell you the plight of being a Minnesota Twins fan for all these years, where for the yeah. longest time, you know, Carl Polad was one of the, you know, richest men in in baseball that owned a team and, and he spent little to no money on payroll. They finally get this new stadium about 10 years ago. They up the, the payroll and then they slowly, you know, put it back down. And well, it feels like it's, you know, it's not being reciprocated. They want my money, but they don't want to put my money into the team a lot. Right, right, right. You know, and that, that's, a, that's another thing you hear in baseball all the time. Uh, no other sports, but baseball He's in a small market. Well, the Big Red Machine was a small market. The St. Louis Cardinals are a small market. Kansas City won a couple years ago. That's a small market. Mm-hmm. The Yankees don't win every year. Philadelphia never wins. <laughs> L.A. wins occasionally. Those are big markets. You know, but uh, Pittsburgh over the years has won its share of a World Series. You can't blame it on a small market because if you're a, if you're a baseball owner today or a general manager, you're going to spend so much money. You have to know where you're spending it. Okay, I I wouldn't have gave Bryce Harper all that money. I would have, I would prefer to buy me three really really good pitchers mm-hmm. and take my chances. Because like I said earlier, you can't win eight to seven, nine to eight every night. You got to win seven them two to one, three to two ball games, one to nothing ball games. And all the teams we're watching in the playoffs right now, Bruce, they have one thing in common. They all got decent pitching. Right. And the teams that aren't there didn't have the pitching. Minnesota didn't have the pitching. They had the offense. But there again, you can't outscore the opposition every night. You got to have some of them close wins. I think it goes back to that old saying, you know, you manufacture runs. Pay for pitching, manufacture runs. 
You know, well, there's a everybody wants to drop their back shoulder and see how far they can hit the ball today, right. and that's the owner's fault. And I'll tell you why: it's the owner's fault because the owners have proven the players that if you hit 25 to 30 home runs, you're going to make 10, 12 million a year. Mm. I don't give a damn how many times you strike out. There's three things that were up this year, guys. Well, two was up, one was down. Home runs were up, strikeouts were up, and attendance was down. Major League attendance was down by a million people. The commissioner has to worry about that. Okay, because the first thing this commissioner said when he took over is, I want more runs scored. And all I can do is base my opinion on what I watched every day this summer. There's no question in my mind there's something going on with that baseball. And when Justin Verlander makes that comment, I believe him because he touches the ball 130 times every fourth or fifth day. And I took the ball apart the other day, and you can't believe how tightly wound that ball is. And in the middle of it, it's a little crazy ball. When I played, there was a cork in the middle of it. And what what has happened, guys, guys who used to hit 10, 10 or 12 home runs now hit 20. Guys who hit 20 now hit 30. Guys who hit 30 now hitting 40. I don't want to hear this stuff that the, the players are, are bigger and stronger. Well, I don't know how many guys are much bigger than a lot of players I played with. Okay, yeah. here's another thing that's hurt. Uh, it helps the players. And if I'm a player, I'm happy for it. I want the ball to be juiced. I don't as a pitcher. Right. But you look at some of these ballparks. I can name a few. Camden Yards, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Wrigley Field when the wind's blowing out, the New Atlanta ballpark. Colorado. They're band boxes. Houston is a joke. <laughs> I don't I don't know how you can pitch in Houston. I take my hat off to Verlander and Cole to have that type of year in that ballpark. I did an appearance down there a couple years ago and stood at home plate. Bruce, I couldn't believe how short left and right field is. Camden Yards, they don't hit it over the wall. They hit it over the building. You know, the, the, I there's... saw a guy break a bat in half last year in Cincinnati and the ball went out in center field. I mean, that's <laughs> King Kong strength. The, the, there, there's something to be said about that, Pete. And, uh, you know, just watching casually, I think over the last couple of years, I've seen this type of home run more than ever before, and that's the, the home run that doesn't get more than 20, 25 feet off the, the ground. It's these line drives that I think a few years ago are hitting the wall and, and they're solid single or solid doubles, but now they're they're going out. Well, you know, well, one of the things that's been right said... Now, the most home runs... I ever hit in the season was 16, but I hit 750 doubles. And I believe a lot of the home runs I hit doubles off the wall playing today would have been home runs. Mm. I think I'd be a 25 home run uh, guy a year this, uh, if I played today. Well, you know, Pete, and, one thing you know, that I, was, I was 200 pounds, but I had, you know, <laughs> I, Hank Aaron never hit tape major home runs. Hell, you got this little guy, Odor, who plays for, uh, for Texas, second base. I watched him about two, a month and a half ago. Hit a ball 472 feet. He's a little second baseman. So what you're saying is that the new baseball... I get a little second baseman, hit a ball 472 feet. So are you saying... Let me me tell you something. The ball ball is alive. The commissioner even said at the All-Star break, we know there's something going on with the baseball, but we're not responsible. However, okay, last year... Baseball paid $400 million for Rollins. They bought the Rollins company. Who makes the baseball? 
Rollins does. Rollins, yeah. They make yep. it yep. in Costa Rica. So you think <laughs> if they bought the company that makes the ball, they would have an idea of how they're making the ball. Wouldn't you? Yeah. It, uh, it, it's a I, golf I, ball. I, There's a golf ball in there, it feels like. I definitely agree with you. Listen, Pete, you still hold the all-time uh, hit leader with 4,256 hits. Ty Cobb's behind you at 4,091. And Hank Aaron, who you mentioned, is far behind you at 3,371. I doubt anybody's going to probably break this all-time hit record from what I can see in today's stats and the people that are active. But when you look at this, is it still true with the ball being described the way you are no matter what players are, have done in the past, whether it's McGuire, Sosa, or Barry Bonds being accused of steroid usage or whatever, if you just look at the fact, isn't the number one hardest thing in sports to do still considered to hit a 95 or 97 a mile an hour fastball? Isn't that still considered to be the hardest thing to do? And does this new ball well, change that at all? No, not at all, because uh, there was only two guys this year, Bruce, got uh, two air hits. The guy in the National League, Okay, led the league in hits with 189. Mm. I used to get 200 every year. Right. But but you're right about my record is safe because they don't play baseball the way we did. They're not worried about getting 220 hits and scoring 120 runs. I, you know, I'm going to dig on this stat, Bruce. I'm going to find out. But I'd like to know how many times this year a baseball player was batting and swung at 3-0. and we we swung a three and zero far and few between, right? I think every game I watched today, no one took three and zero because they're trying to hit that grand slam home run or that three run home run. They don't want to walk. They don't want they, to walk. They don't the want to walk. Are down too. Walks are down too, and when you think about the fact that the Rollins company is owned as the way you said, in, you know, by the baseball industry. They're looking for more entertainment for the people paying the tickets. And obviously, the more hits and the more home runs create that entertainment. I have a nostalgic yeah, question. Go ahead. Why go. is the tennis down? Why is the tennis down then? Yeah, exactly. Well, I was, th I was more thinking about the viewing audience. But yes, that is the question. Why is attendance down? Is that a changing mentality in today's young people? Is that the kids of today, not like we were when we were kids, going out and playing baseball till 5 o'clock before we come home for dinner? And today they're coming home and playing video games till 5 o'clock and maybe even yeah. missing dinner. Yeah. It's a different mentality. Well, yeah, we, we still have, I believe, we, we probably still have more uh, uh, kids playing baseball as opposed to football and, and basketball. Right, I think uh, so too. You know, I mean, basketball, uh, a, lot of, a lot of good players aren't going to baseball now. They're going to college to play basketball or uh, going to college to play football, wide receivers and running backs, you know, guys that are all-purpose athletes. But there again, man, I'm going to tell you right now, guys, if you can choose between baseball, basketball, or football, you better choose baseball, and I'll tell you why. All right, the money's there, the longevity is there. Right. And we got the best pension fund in industry. Now football's That's... fun, but you don't play. I I played twenty four years, guys. Twenty four freaking years I played in the big leagues. When's the last time you heard of a basketball player playing eighteen years or a football player other than George Blanda playing twenty years? It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And if you enjoy playing your sport, which you should. Baseball is the animal you got to go to. I agree with you, and I've always actually said the same thing myself. It's a base on longevity, health, and everything else. You know, let me ask you too. I'm asking you questions all the time, but you go back, and 
who was one of your who was your toughest opponent in sports? And I'm relating to the catcher. You know, your your notorious runs into home plate, whether the cleats are up or not. Is there such a thing as like the toughest catcher you've ever faced that you know when you're running down to that home plate, he was going to get in front of that thing and block you no matter what? Well, yeah, some catchers, some catchers just had the knack of getting in position, but most of those catchers had one thing that a lot of others didn't. Let's take Fossey in the All Star game. My advantage was there is he hadn't caught the ball yet. But I remember the next year, I was going on contact playing the Dodgers. I'm on third, and a guy hit a ball to set a short. He threw it to Duke Sims, who had the ball waiting for me. I was dizzy for three innings because he was waiting for me. I don't think any catcher has an advantage over another catcher, although some catchers play with a football mentality. Okay, Mike Sosha blocked the plate pretty good. Johnny Bench blocked the plate pretty good. You know, so some guys are known to block the plate, but you can't do it now. See, if we were playing the All-Star game in 1970 today, I'd have been awarded home plate because Fossey was blocking the plate and hadn't had the ball in his hand yet. And I hit him before the ball got there. You can't concentrate on two different things. He's he's trying to concentrate on catching the ball and worrying about me hitting him. Okay? Hey, I'm trying to win the game. That's the only reason you play the game is to win the game. And by the way, I took him out to eat the night before the game. And by the (laughs) way, I missed the next three games. He didn't miss any, and he went on to play nine more years. So for those people who say I ruined his career, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. (laughs) Pete, that's so funny. I love it. So I've got a number for you, Pete. I was able to figure out from an article online uh, in the 2019 regular season uh, how often um, batters would swing at a 3-0 pitch. Uh, The 3-0 pitch was taken uh, 83.8% of the time. Uh, leaving a swing percentage of 16.2%, which is significantly higher going back to 2014 when it was just a little over 8% of the time would you see a batter swing in a 3-0 pitch? Well, there's no sense in swinging at a 3-0 pitch because you're going to get the same damn pitch 3-1, you got 3-0. Okay? And you got to make it a good pitch. you got to make it a good pitch, especially with men on screen. And scoring position, the guys just don't want to. They, they they don't want to walk today, guys. And that, you know, it, it, if if I if I walk and Morgan walks, we got Perez and Bench coming up. Okay, you know, you're, you're only as good as your lineup. That's why you have a lineup. Some guys deserve to lead off. Some guys deserve to be pinch hitters. Some guys deserve to hit ninth in the order. That, that's why the Cardinals right now they can't depend on anybody. Because everybody on the team uh, is in a slump. It's amazing how you can go, you can go into a slump all, all together at the same time. Yep, no question. You know, Pete, and it happens. Of course, the slumps are part. You know, they're they're part of the career. You can't be a hundred percent and on top of your game every game. I mean, things happen. But yep. I mean, a major slump like this and watching this, it's crazy. Momentum and feel, hey guys. Guys, I've been on your program for about 40 minutes now, and I made 10,000 outs. <laughs> wait, wait, give me that again. I lost that one. I lost that one. <laughs> I made 9,800 outs. Yep, right. In baseball. Think about that. Right. That's I mean, that's a lot. 10,000 outs. 
That, 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 you failed 10,000 times. Yeah. I think, I yeah. think it's more like he tried 10,000 times. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> there you go. Always hey, the Pat, optimist. You, you, know, you know the only thing, bad, the only thing good about that stat, I wish I'd have made 20,000 outs. I, I, I wish I had the opportunity. You know, that's all you look for in this baseball player when you got a bat in your hand is opportunity. Opportunity uh, to do something to help the team win. And hopefully the manager puts you in that uh, situation to succeed. Or I guess in today's game, Pete, the general manager, maybe. Exactly. You know, Pete. Well, some of them. <laughs> Pete, I'm speaking. You're going to kick out of this, and I don't know if you know this or not. Go ahead. Did you, did you know this year, starting opening day, now we're talking about gambling now. It's only a matter of time before we start talking about gambling. <laughs> with, with me and Bruce, with me and Bruce on the line, okay? <laughs> before every game, 15 minutes before every game this year in baseball, the manager had an email, baseball is starting lineup. Oh, in wow. Turn, in turn, baseball emailed it to the MGM properties. Yeah. What? Did really? you know that? Did you know that? No. I didn't know no. that, but it makes a lot of sense because uh, sports gambling is, is a huge part of every pregame show for pretty much every sport now, whether you're watching you know, ESPN or FS1. It's, it's pretty much everywhere. Like you know, the other me... day, uh, Max Scherzer was supposed to pitch. They had him at the race in sports books as him pitching. Okay, he was like a, a, a minus twenty, And all of a sudden, all day went by. Then they scratched him, and they put the other guy in there. He went up to a buck ninety. So some you know guys what... got hurt on that situation because they thought Max was pitching. You know, of course they did, and you know it's. I, you, you touched on the subject of gambling. You know, we know what you've been through in the past in your career, and when you oh, think yeah. about, yeah, with all the with all that, and and I have to say it, Pete. I just got to say, you should be in the Hall of Fame. I said it too when I saw you. I know you're a little over it, or however you want to express it, but you should be in the Hall of Fame. Your stats prove it. Your play proves it. Everything. But here's here's what I want to mention. Um, and I hope that happens, truly. I hope it does. My brother Brian, who's a big fan of yours and a big collector of sports memorabilia, as is Michael Buffer, a big fan also. You know, it's just something that we all, you know, I, I hope for you. I'm, I'm saying that on my brother Brian for sure. Now, with that being said, today, in today's society and about what's going to happen, the government has approved online gambling, which is going to be approved state yeah. by state. Eventually, and this is very ironic but when you think about what you went through and the subject of the gambling and all, you're going to have people in ballparks with a little window on the seat in front of them, potentially, and in basketball games and football games, however the stadiums and the teams do it, where they're going to be able to make bets each inning, game, quarter, yeah. second half, everything. It's great. I think it's great. Bruce, it's great. But, but Bruce, how ironic is that know, with everything you know, that's happened you know, in the past? We're not going to change it. <laughs> it's all about dollars. It's all about money. It's all about making money. Yeah. These, these casinos aren't going anywhere. Just uh, being able to bet in all these states is not going anywhere. You know, I'm not against it. It has nothing to do with me. You know, I made my own mistakes, okay? I don't know about the steroid guys. Steroid guys. I don't know if Mark McGuire took steroids. I don't know if Barry Bonds took steroids. I know one thing. If Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens aren't in the Hall of Fame, they shouldn't have one. Okay? I agree. I agree. I mean, they, I don't know what these guys, they didn't take steroids their whole damn career. Definitely Roger, not. Roger Clemens won seven Cy Youngs. Yep. Right. Barry Bonds, he had 760 some home. He was a good in, player. 
when he he was a Hall of Fame player when he played for Pittsburgh. You know what, Pete? No matter how, no matter if they took it or not, and this is something. And I, I listen. I'm not big on steroids. Okay, I'm 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 not I'm down on them. Okay, personally, especially in the world yeah. of fighting, as in other sports, I have to say that for the yeah. record. You want a level playing field? We get it. Yeah, I want a level playing field, but. Yeah. I get back to what the hardest thing to do in sports is, right. is hit that 95, 97 mile an hour fastball steroids or not. You still need the hand eye coordination, which you know better than anybody to hit that ball. I mean, to me, Bruce and, and Pete, you can speak to this, you know, much better than, than I can, you know, being on the road all those years playing, you know, city to city night after night, but baseball especially is a marathon. And I think where yeah. steroids will help a baseball player performance enhancing Drugs would help a baseball player. I think it's honestly just getting from one town to the next, getting up, you know, being able to to stay healthy. Uh, but still, when it comes down to to you know the skill, you said it best, Bruce. You're trying to hit a round ball with a round bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that that technique does not come from a syringe. It just doesn't. The ability well, I, to maybe think, stay stronger I, does, but I not really. One, I think one advantage steroid guys had that Babe Ruth didn't have, that Ty Cobb didn't have, that Hank Aaron didn't have, is getting over injury. Steroids can get you through injuries a lot faster. So because right. of that, you're not going to miss as many games. And, and, and to me, maybe I'm on a line saying this, but I think that's modern medicine. I think that's what that yeah. is. You know, and, and yeah. let's not forget that steroids are prescribed by doctors. You know, you can get a, a legal steroid to help, you know, get through an injury. It's just whether or not the league that you play in allows you to do that and if there's a, a use exemption or whatever. But, I mean, it is medication. I never yep. took steroids. I wasn't around anybody who took steroids. The big red machine guys, we didn't take steroids. Uh, heavens knows what we'd have did if we took steroids. Uh, there'd be uh, who, who know, knows? Who knows? You know, it, it's just like Mike Smith said one time, and he said, "I don't know what I'd have did in the middle seventies if a guy had come up to me and said, Mike, if you take this, you're going to hit ten more home runs and knock in fifteen more runs.'" and probably hit 20 more points on your average. He said, I don't know what I'd have said. That's a good Very, question. I don't know what I'd have said. I don't know good. if I'd have had enough brains to think about, well, if I take this stuff and I'm 50, is my is my lungs going to give out? Is my liver going to be bad? You know, uh, what's all the bad things can happen right. taking steroids? No, you're, you're absolutely right, and you just said a few of them right there, and it's just I'm so – I'm so happy to hear you say what you said because you were in a steroid-free baseball game back then, playing your ass off, holding the record for the most hits, and giving the entertainment that we all saw and loved. I mean, what more credibility is there than that to this great game that you played, sir? That's all I can say. Let me me tell you guys something, okay? And I tell people this all the time. I think I have 26 major league records. And the best record I have, of all the records I have, the best record I have, I played in 1972 winning games. Mm. Wow. That's, That's so hard to play. fathom. That's the uh, only reason you play, and I tell kids this every day here in Vegas, signing autographs, is to win the game. Everybody is in a better mood when you go watch your kid, your grandson, your granddaughter, your niece, your nephew, your son, your daughter, playing a sporting event. If they win... You're in a better mood on the way home. And if you aren't, you shouldn't be going to the game. No question, because baseball is still the great American pastime. There's no question. And, you know, get, before we wind up the show here, because I've got to wind down here in a minute, Pete, um, I 
I've had so much entertainment watching you play as a kid and everything else. I'm a big collector of trading cards, baseball cards, uh-huh. pre-1975. I just bought, with my brother Brian, who's a huge collector, I just bought sets of Topps sets in prime condition, 1964, 67, 68, and 69, which has your cards. Your rookie card being 63, which is one of the most beautiful yeah. set of cards that Topps ever made. Along with you mean that, the one Al Weiss makes famous? Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pedro Gonzalez made famous. <laughs> now, did you did you save any of your rookie cards? They're going for big uh, dollars. Man, any 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 cards I had when I was a kid? Well, no, I didn't save any of my rookie cards. I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I still love collecting. Along with those sets I mentioned, I sets I mentioned, I bought a pair, uh, a set of 1956, you know, which is Good. incredibly the artistic value. So, they're all beautiful you know, cards to look at. I look at them. I live a lot of nostalgia and history. And for the record, um, I'm going to say it again: that coming from my brother Brian, who's a big fan of the is of you and myself. I, I hope someday you do make it to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Maybe in two years when everybody during each inning is hitting their betting buttons on the back of the seats, somebody <laughs> might flip a switch and say, okay, let's get him in there, you know? And when they I, do, I, I hope... i tell you one thing, Bruce. I got, I got an extra Hannes Wagner card I'm going to send you over. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's real, you know I'll take it, my friend. The last one of those what's just that sold worth, What's that worth, a man and a half now? It just sold, uh, the last Wagner called, I think, so for, uh, I think you're correct. It sold for either $2 million or one and a half. I was talking about it on a show, because I know it did go for $1.1 million at one time. Staggered. Remember, remember, what, remember when Wayne Gretzky and Bruce McNow had one, and they sold for like 300000 Yeah, wasn't there some kind of a... time ago? Yeah, wasn't there some kind of a thing behind that, or a story that hit the news on that one? I forget exactly, or was it just the fact they sold was the card? Was that before Bruce went to jail, or after... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's my point, right? <laughs> All right, no jail talk. We've gotten through the steroid and the gambling talk. The bottom line is we have one of the legendary greatest players of the great game of baseball ever on It's Time Radio today, and I am honored to have you on the show. This has been great, Pete. Uh, you kind of let yourself loose there a little bit. Did you think you were going to let all that out during the show before we called you? Oh, no. One thing I do, Bruce, when I do interviews, you ask the question, I answer it. I'm not going to duck it. What, what, if I duck the question, what are you going to do? Suspend me? <laughs> no, I might not put you in the Hall of Fame. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, that's that's the problem with these athletes today. They they don't know how to be honest. Uh, everything. Everybody wants to be politically correct. Yeah, yeah. It's the mood. You know the the way. The PC world we live in today, everybody is worried about being called to the carpet for what they say. Now, if you're a gentleman and you know how to handle yourself correctly, you can converse and be strong and opinionated as you are and not break the PC laws. But it is a different world in which we live, and it's a different athlete today versus the athletes you played with for many reasons, not just physical. I'm talking about society today as a whole. I love this great country we live in. We're definitely going through some changes and it's happening everywhere. It's happening in sports and politics everywhere. We just got to keep up and be willing to adapt as we get older, Pete, you know, to be as happy as we can be. I don't think either one of us said anything today in the last hour that we're uh, ashamed that we said it or we said something bad about somebody. No, I I don't, I don't think any of that happened. In the last no. hour that we were talking, no, we were very, we were very complimentary to everybody involved, and that's the way it should be. Absolutely, real talk, real talk. That's what I real, liked about it. Real talk. 
Exactly. Real talk about real people in real life. We we Pete, need we need to have Pete back next spring and talk about next baseball season. Like this is this is fun for me. Pete, can we have well, you back on the show? It's a it's really an honor. I'm always available, guys. You guys have been great. Continue success with the show and uh Bruce, I might need uh, one of these one of these UFC fights. I might need two tickets. You just call me, Pete. We'll take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> my my stepson's the biggest UFC He's the, he's the guy, uh, St. Pierre. Is that who that guy is? George St. Pierre. George? Yeah, he's right. Yeah, that's his favorite. That's his favorite fighter. Well, if he comes back and fights the champion, Habib Nurmagomedov, which there's rumblings about in the next year, uh, your son is going to be pulling on your shirt tails to get you to that, that fight, as everybody else will want to be at that fight. So I'll do the best I can. Pete, you call me, and I'll see what I can set up. If it's at all possible, I'll get you to that show. All right, man. Have a great day. Good job. Uh, see you, Pete. Pete. Thank you so much, okay. Pete. Have a great day and All a great right. week, sir. Thank you. Hell of a guy. Oh, that was great. I loved it. Loved yeah, it. no, it was that was a lot of fun. Talking about telling it like it is, you know? Yeah, I mean, in again, I don't think he was offensive with any of his views, you know? He just he shared his opinion, I think backed it up with some evidence and, and his feelings, and uh, who more qualified to give their opinion about the, the game of baseball, you know, past, present, future, than uh, the man who, you know, was probably the best at uh, swinging the old bat. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely, no question. Um, I'm still sitting here thinking about some of the stuff we talked about. I, did, I didn't think that uh, Pete was going to open up the way he did, and it well, all worked out perfect. We touched on a lot of uh, a lot of things. Here. I mean, he, he's an analyst, and he gets to talk about baseball, but it's it's when, when you are an analyst, especially in those very rigid sort of format I- environments, it's... Uh, you know, you you talk about one topic and then you got, you know, two and a half minutes to do it at the most. And then you move on. You're taking a break and all of a sudden the show's over. We got to just sit here and riff for the better part of an hour. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, what can I say? Let's I'm, I'm digesting this right now. You know, you know how we have interviews sometimes and after it's over, even though we got to go into not go other things we're going to discuss right now. But it's, it's still it's hanging with me. This, this interview is going to hang with me throughout the day. I mean, if there it's, wasn't actual other things to talk about. Uh, I would say we just need to go because what better way to, to finish on than, than Pete Rose. But yeah, no hell of a show. Yeah. I just going to talk about a few things here and um, I was just happy that that happened. So very cool. And you're right. Let's have him on again next season when the baseball season starts. It could be our, it's I mean, time analyst. Yeah. I, I want him every spring, every all-star game and every playoff. <laughs> I want like him three times would, a year. Let's go. It sounds like you enjoyed the interview, my friend. I mean, I, I don't get to talk baseball really all that often, let alone with someone like Pete Rose. So uh, that that was a, a great treat for me. Yeah, it's, my brother Brian said, you know, he's going to love this interview more than anything. He goes, TJ. I go, why? He goes, Bruce, TJ loves baseball. I've been listening to the show. Yeah, he's I love right. baseball. He, he definitely is right. Well, let's move on to a few other things. Thank you, Pete Rose. Number 14, Charlie Hustle, baby. They didn't call him Charlie Hustle for nothing, TJ. No, I mean, yep. that, that's a nickname you earn. You don't just come up with that one by yourself and attach it to you. No, you don't. And while we're on the mood of sports here, um, I to mention that Michael opened up game three in Washington last night for the Nationals, who are now 3-0 and in their series. They play again tonight. They're, and Pete's right. They're strong. I wouldn't be surprised if the Nationals close it out tonight, which is really cool. Well, I mean, and, if I was St. Louis, I'd be calling Bruce Buffer to counteract the Michael Buffer shine that's <laughs> propelling them to probably a, a World Series berth. Well, Bruce Buffer is leaving for Boston and then leaves for Singapore and has very little time for anything else. Although I was on the court at the University of Kentucky at Rupp, at Rupp Arena for the 
uh, University of Kentucky Wildcats basketball team for their big event that they hold every year called the Midnight Madness last Friday. And, and pardon I me, you, pardon me, but what did that headline say? Because, my goodness, I haven't seen a headline like that in my entire 35 years on this planet, Bruce. <sighs> you really want me to say it? or do you? I, no, you, I do. No, I want you to say it. Because oh. it's not going to have the kick that that uh, you know it should have if I say it. Okay. All right. I'll do it. Let me pull it up here. Thank you. Yeah, definitely got to get me on that one. When I saw but, this, I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, are you kidding me? Right. I, wrote, I even put it out. I said, of all the shows that I've been on, all the events I've done in sports and entertainment, uh, for this to come through like this from a respected site. So let me go ahead and find this for you. Okay. Well, da, 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 here it is. Right here. This is from Barstool Sports. The title of the article is Bruce Buffer gave Coach Cal the greatest intro of all time and made all of Kentucky orgasm to the moon. Wow. I mean, come on now. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Can you put it any differently? I mean, Barstool Sports a little bit blue. They're a little bit blue collar, but that's a mainstream media outlet. And yeah, that's uh, what I understand. no, that that's just uh, friggin' hilarious. When I read that, I had to double take. I thought it was photoshopped. No, I, you know what? I didn't know either. But then when my producer at the UFC sent it to me because he seen, he saw it, I thought, oh, okay, this is happening. <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> a lot of people just randomly smoking cigarettes in Kentucky for whatever reason. <laughs> and what did now give me? Oh, <laughs> I got it. Okay, okay, okay. I was a little, little slow today. Right. It's, it's, it's all right. It's all right. That's all right. Anyway, it was an absolute blast. Everybody was great. They put on a great show. Coach Calipari, I, I think I kind of shocked him a little bit when I was center court with him giving the, the big intro, but it was great experience, TJ. And from there, I went on to uh, Las Vegas and hung out with some friends, had a nice boys night out uh, in Vegas and came home, getting ready for the Boston show, which I'm very excited about. Uh, it's a the Friday. Boston, yeah, it's a Friday show. Freaking me uh, out a little bit. Uh, why? Because you got to watch it on well, Friday? I mean, no, no, because like I normally have to do Saturday uh, post-fight radio, and it takes all day to watch the UFC, and I kind of lose a Saturday. And yeah. I was expecting this to be on Saturday like normal, and uh, sure enough, it's Friday. So my, my whole – I mean, I get a weekend. It's great. I'll be home with my family. But, uh, yeah, I'm having to try to readjust all of my uh, my plans. Well, it's a it's an exciting show. You got Chris Weidman, Dominic Reyes going at it, light heavyweight. Yair Rodriguez and Jeremy Stevens back to redo their fight at featherweight. Uh, solid show. Greg Hardy's on again as heavyweight fighting Ben Sassoli. Sassoli, excuse me. And uh, Joe Lozon, who I've not seen in a while, fighting Jonathan Pierce is back. But great night of action. I'm looking forward to it at the TD Garden in Boston. John Anik and Dana White probably feeling fantastic because they're going back to their hometown. Uh, lovely, you know, being the Bostonians that they are. So it's going to be a big night. Now, the fight that it was in Tampa last weekend, I was not there to announce. Uh, Joanna uh, beat Michelle Waterson. Uh, her foot is reported not to be broken. I saw excerpts from the fight. It looked like a very brutal back and forth. Cub Swanson beating Crone Gracie. Wow. Uh, both decisions in both those fights. So it looked like an exciting night of fights. Did you watch it last Saturday? I was flying home. I got stuck yeah. in Georgia an extra day. Um, because I was in a small town of Columbus, Georgia. Um, the airport at Columbus in, in Georgia there, Bruce, one gate. And they have one plane, and it flies from Columbus to Atlanta, and then Atlanta back to Columbus. And it got canceled. Well, so they literally shut down the terminal when the plane leaves. They don't let anyone else through security until it comes back. Um, but the plane broke down, and 
I was not able to get to where I needed to go. So I spent the extra night in, uh, in Georgia and then flew back literally all day Saturday. Flew from Columbus to Atlanta, Atlanta to Salt Lake City, Salt Lake City to Orange County. Wow. It was a long day. Yeah, I've had those situations happen. There's nothing you can do except go with the flow. You can't get upset, even though you do get upset. No, no, no I don't get deal. upset. I just I just try to uh, entertain myself on a plane. Got to just deal. Well, you know, that's the life of a road warrior, my friend, and you're fastly becoming one of them as I am with these trips that you're taking. Yeah, not like you. I fly like once every six weeks, but yeah. Uh, I just had a couple weeks of somewhat of a respite, and now I'm back to the same thing again. Not all international shows, but definitely um, – lot coming up got boston got singapore next week what do i have new york uh, i'm gonna be opening up for a hotel here in beverly hills on that friday gonna take a red eye at 12 30 at nine on friday night to land in new york at 9 30 on saturday morning to be in the arena at three in the afternoon for a fight i am looking hugely forward to which is masvidal and diaz going at it at the ufc in new york so and from there after that it's a trip to sao paulo brazil ufc back for five days back to sao paulo for poker stars Along with, um, where else am I going? Uh, just on and on and on. But look, it's my beloved UFC. It's what I do. It's what you do. And the bottom line is, hopefully, you love your job as much as I do. And that makes it a lot easier. Yes, sir. Okay. Now, a couple of news stories here. You believe they're selling serial kill? Well, of course, they're going to sell the house. But I wonder who's going to buy it. John Gacy. John Wayne Gacy. Who I know, you know, you're aware of because he's near Minnesota. The serial killer. Uh, responsible for burying some 33 uh, boys that he murdered underneath his house. This three-bedroom, two-bathroom house in the Chicago suburbs is 2,500 square feet. The lot's 9,000 square feet. Obviously needed a lot of room for that lot. Um, $459,000 is selling for it. TJ, honestly, it, I, I told you once before, I was in the house where the Menendez brothers murdered their parents. Right. And the weird feeling I got from there, I couldn't even imagine the weird feeling being in this house. Right, no, I, I wouldn't. Know, I wouldn't want it. And you wonder who's going to buy it. Are they a, a perverse collector of sorts? Are they somebody mm. who really wants the house? <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't think anybody wants to live in it. I, I would assume someone's going to buy it and make it like a museum, a ooh. sick and twisted museum. Oh, ooh, God. Something like that, right? Or or maybe yeah, or maybe maybe they'll buy it and bulldoze it and build over the top of it. I don't know. But even then, that doesn't make it nice. feel better. You still got all those ghosts and spirits underneath the ground, my friend. Yeah, I mean, energy, right? Like, that's a yeah. weird energy. Weird energy. Whether you believe in ghosts or not, there's a weird energy. Uh, Dick Sporting Goods has announced they are destroying $5 million worth of weapons um, that they are not going to sell. Very interesting. The company will no longer sell firearms to anyone under 21. Uh, that's what they decided last year. But now they also announced that they will destroy its inventory of weapons rather than allow them to be sold by another retailer. Therefore, they are destroying $5 million worth wow. of weapons. Very interesting. I'm going to give them a, you know, being a gun collector the way I am, but for what they're doing and the reasons why they're doing it, it's very interesting. I mean, and what kind of guns? Are they like, are they, are they destroying 12-gauge shotguns? That would seem uh, a bridge too far. I don't no. think anybody's worried about 12-gauge shotguns that you use I, pheasant hunting. Let's see. So are they just no longer selling guns? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they're just no longer selling. That's how I'm gathering huh. from this. All right. I mean, hey, that's they originally choice. started. They originally started as a fish and tackle shop. So you know, go back to where their roots are, I guess. But obviously, they'll lose a lot of money. Well, I mean, profits from that. Th there's a Dick Sporting Goods near my house, and I don't think that there's anything there for fishing or hunting, for that matter. Like here at, in Southern California, where 
I mean, there, there is some fishing and I guess there is some hunting somewhat nearby, but for the most part, like these outlets here are, you know, for soccer and baseball and football. And, and they sell guns there too, right? No, there's no guns in my local no, dish. None. none. Okay. Interesting. That's what I'm saying. There's nothing, there's nothing there. There may be some camping stuff, but I don't even know if that variety is all that big. It's, it's all baseball, soccer, football. Well, obviously, this all stems from everything going on over the last few years, if not the last number of years, and, you know, all the criticism, this, that, and the other. So they made the move. I commend them for it, uh, even though I do believe in the right to own and bear firearms, although I'm fine with outlawing, uh, as I've said before. Uh, what am I saying? Sensible regulation, Buff. Sensible regulation, military weapons, assault right. weapons, all that kind of stuff. They're for the military folks. Even though I enjoy having mine, if they say I got to give it back, I'll give it back. But my other guns stay where they are. But if okay. you don't have all the guns that the military has, then you'll never be able to rise up. And my response to that is, where's your F-15, bro? Yeah, well. They got so that. Where's your tank? Where's your rocket launcher? For home protection, you need two things, if anything. Simple 12-gauge shotgun pump and a simple Beretta Glock, simple six-shot revolver 38. That's all you need. You don't need to go to extremes. No. Anyway. And maybe a mean-ass dog. <laughs> maybe that, too. Everybody has a right of choice based on what they want to do, based on the legalities of the laws at hand that are stated in this country. Okay. With that being said, uh, Felicity Huffman has turned herself in to begin her 14-day sentence for her role in the college admissions bribery scandal. TJ, would you believe that already after the scandal started, hit the news, what, some few months ago, there's already a movie that's been made for TV on the subject and is being released soon, like in the next few weeks? Yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me. Hollywood works really fast. Speaking of movies, too, The Joker with the fine actor, the Academy Award winner, Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, $90 million it did its first weekend, which was just last weekend. But I heard reported, I've not seen the film yet, I want to see it. Uh, his transformation in the film is incredible, you know, based on his method acting and the type of acting that he does and what extremes he'll go to. But people were reportedly walking out of the film because it's extremely violent. Extremely violent. Have you heard it? Anybody that's seen it or no, talk no, about it? No, no. I'm boring. All right. If we go to the movie theater, <laughs> it's for like whatever animated film. I'll check. I'll check it next time I get a chance to. Uh, yeah, I'll get. I'll, I'll take a look at it when it comes out in like digital release or whatever. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let me check one more thing. There's one last good news story that. Re- okay, this is this is the story I want to end the show with. Uh, a dog that was lost since 2007, right from its family, and disappeared in South Florida home, was found this week over a thousand miles away in Pittsburgh and was reunited with its owner. How did they find it? It's a 14-year-old dog, was found hungry, shivering, and in serious need of his nails to be trimmed under a shed on Monday. How, how, how has this dog been living for the, since 2007 for 12 years? They lost him when he was two, and now oh. the dog is 14. And yeah. what an emotional reunion that must have been for the mother and the father, the, the owners, to, to go and find their dog, even I though mean, it's been gone for 12 years. This is wild. To me, someone picked up that dog and was on a road trip or, you know, found it in their neighborhood and then moved away. Something yeah, like that. that. Like that dog hasn't been on the run for that long. There's no way. No, I don't see how it could be, but obviously maybe something happened towards the end and it was where it is. But you know what? Beautiful story. Reunited. The dog is now 14 years old in the latter stage, later stages of his life. So give him the best life possible and take care of him. Yeah. I, 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 it's beautiful. You know, I'm an animal lover. Right. I of love course. That. By the way, Kristen uh, and the kids and Chris, they just got, uh, they went to the shelter and they um, 
picked up a six-year-old female German Shepherd they named Grace, who is now my new uh, visitor almost every day at my office. And it's wonderful. That's awesome. It's awesome. It's, it changes the tempo around here. I love having the dog around the, around the, out, the home office. It's incredible. All right, TJ, I got to get ready. I got to do a lot of stuff before I leave for Boston. I can't see anything else we haven't covered. Uh, it was awesome again to have uh, Pete Rose on the show. And um, I can't wait to listen to it, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't wait to go back and listen to this one as well because uh, I probably missed some parts. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And think about the questions we missed that we could have asked. That's going to happen, too, when you listen to it, I'm sure. It'll oh, for happen. sure. For sure. Definitely. All right, TJ, anything to tell our audience before we go? Uh, let's see here. Last weekend, or last week, I guess, it wasn't the weekend, uh, I was uh, on Five Pass for Island Fights. Hopefully you can check that out if you have uh, the Five Pass service. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, nothing else going on, really, for no another couple of weeks. So, yeah, no. All right, sounds good. And I'm off to Boston, just back from uh, Kentucky. And then from Boston onward to more and more UFCs. But I always look to the one show ahead. And I can't wait to be in the Octagon on Saturday at the TD Garden in Boston. From the Octagon, roaring my usual thing for all the great warriors that will be fighting their hearts out that night. So I will see you from the Octagon on Saturday. Everybody have a great week. Again, thank you for sending in your orders for your videos and your audios through BruceBuffer.com, your Cameo.com orders that I do videos on at Cameo.com. Keep it flowing in, folks. Uh, you're keeping me very, very busy. And thank you again for all your thank you notes. With that being said, treat everybody around you with respect. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Be a role model to your sphere of influence. Set your goals. Write them down. Learn about them. So when you step on that path, you perform and be the best you can be. Whether you win and are number one, it all matters about being the best you can be. Because by doing that and giving it your best effort, then you are winning, my friends. With that being said, have a great week. We'll be back next week. Buffer out. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. Total Wine & More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities, up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Where am I? I thought the beer store was on this block. Better check my phone. Hey, Maps, give me directions to the beer store. Your destination is 700 feet ahead on the right. Okay, thank you. But don't settle for any beer this Oktoberfest. Make sure to get Polliner, the number one selling beer at Munich's Oktoberfest. Polliner's beers are the perfect way to bring authentic German celebration into your home. Um, great. That's more information than I needed, but I... And this Oktoberfest, make sure to follow the liter. Excuse me? Follow the liter? No, follow the liter, as in the Polliner liter glass, like they drink in Munich. When you follow the liter across the country and identify the cities where the Polliner liter is at, you could win Oktoberfest prizes, including a kegerator. Okay, Maps, how do I follow the leader? Check out Polliner USA on Instagram and look for the follow the leader posts. Correct answers in the comments are how you enter. Okay, simple enough. Oh, another question. Is this conversation covered in my data plan? Polliner USA, White Plains, New York. No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 21 or older, excluding West Virginia. Ends 102420. Void where prohibited. For rules, see polliner.us forward slash rules. Hashtag beer goals.